0: What if they get it when you're a seven-year-old and when you're 35, you're a CIA station chief and they need your retina data to get in someplace, They have it and they got it a long time ago. I mean, that's obviously the most far-fetched feature, but that information is most likely the way that we're going to go in the future when it comes to being able to identify ourselves. And if anybody's gathering that information, that's your identity.
1: Join Lewis and I this week as we speak with Alex Rodriguez about doing business with China and how TikTok and its potential ban plays into that. Alex is CEO of Azul, which is dedicated to developing innovative and accessible technology that continues to focus on the fast paced and multitasking lifestyle. Welcome to What I See, the podcast where we uncover the stories of visionaries, innovators, and entrepreneurs. Join us as we explore the big ideas and challenges shaping our future. And now our hosts, Mark O'Donnell and Lewis Schiff.
2: Hi, Mark. I am on the last two hours of a four-city jag here, so I'm kind
1: of really excited about being home pretty soon. <laughs> well, I'm home and my plants are still dead. What city are you in now?
2: I'm in Denver. I was in Phoenix, Los Angeles. Somewhere. Oh, very nice. So just all sort of in the same neck of the woods. But I don't know, just ready to go. Yeah. it's been. I've been about three, almost four weeks on the road. That is a lot of time. I try
1: to avoid that as much as possible.
2: But while I was traveling the West of America, some pretty powerful things and exciting things happened back East in our favorite city, Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. where what was just a hilarious kind of like culture clash was... The United States House of Representative members questioning the executives of TikTok.
1: Yes, I I saw that. My son came and he's like, Dad, you got to watch this. These people, I'm not sure they know what they're doing. I'm like, I don't know. They they could just be, you know, sly like a fox. You know, a little bit of Columbo dating myself there. You know, a little bit. But he was like, no. And then I watched it, and and he was right. <laughs>
2: And then, of course, the memes that were made on TikTok about the hearings about TikTok were epic and terrific. Yes. You know, you and I often talk about our kids on this podcast because that's sort of how we know about that whole part of the world. And so my son, you know, on the one hand, I have to say this, the whole conversation got him asking me about how Congress works. A lot of it was snarky, like, how can these people be so stupid? But I mean, underneath that question was, how does Congress work or what are they doing and why do they do this kind of stuff? Mm -hmm. So it did allow us to have some conversations about why this was happening to begin
1: with. Yeah, it's it's going to be a very interesting thing. And it is obviously not the first company that has some ties to China that have come under scrutiny from the United States and Congress for lots of different reasons, right?
2: Yeah, but you know, this thing reads like a science fiction movie to me. It's like, China, our biggest enemy in the world, creates an app That all of our teenagers put on their phone and start sending them everything about their personal lives. It just feels like, you know, the Hollywood writers room would have come up with this idea and it would have been an okay idea, a little bit not believable, but it would have been like a movie idea, only it's actually happening and the numbers are
1: just epic in terms of how big TikTok usage is. Yeah, no no doubt. And I'm wondering why, because for example, Tencent was one of the original collaborators with Tesla. And you have a bunch of people driving around with Teslas, all the automation components, the autonomous driving components of a Tesla were built in collaboration with Tencent, which is obviously a Chinese company. So you have all of our young people being mind controlled by TikTok, all of our electric vehicles being autonomously driven by a Chinese software technology.
2: <laughs> what could go wrong? And then, you know, DJI, the, the drone company. They make these Mm -hmm. great drones so somebody who knew something about something told me that dji is a chinese company and it just constantly sends data about where the drones are going now obviously a lot of drone stuff is just for fun and silly but you know the idea was like we're actually taking our own private time sending drones up into the air to essentially scour the country and sending all the data back
1: to china again like a bizarre turn of events. It is and I'm wondering how much is little conspiracy theories going on and how much it is it, it, of it is real. I suspect that more of it is real than we know it is, but I don't know.
2: <laughs> well, that's why I asked my friend Alex Rodriguez to join us today, Mark, because I'll just make a, a slightly political statement. I mean, I do believe China is the biggest, scariest enemy to the United States at this point and probably will be for a really long time. Not, not everyone has to agree with that. You certainly don't have to. But, you know, they are also a huge commerce partner, and that's just kind of an unprecedented kind of uh, connection or combination of uh, personalities. So Mm -hmm. I asked my friend Alex Rodriguez, who does business in China in a big way, to come on and walk us through how he does business in China and, and what he's learned about China as a business partner to help see if we can learn more about, I don't know, if this is as scary as it sounds. Love that. All right, Alex Rodriguez, why don't you join us if you have a moment?
0: Hey, Alex. Good to see you.
2: Hey, Alex. So thank you for being part of this podcast conversation where we're basically trying to figure out what really smart people like you know about the most important topics of the day. Alex, why don't you tell us a bit about Azul?
0: So Azul, we are a manufacturer of many computers, basically for digital signage, kiosk, wayfinding machines, anywhere you see a sign that's either playing content or interactive, IoT, edge computing, MSPs for desktop and thin client replacements, like anywhere you need a little brain, we focus on that. We're mainly B2B and enterprise solutions. We do own a factory in China that manufactures our devices and we work very closely with. So constantly working with my partners overseas. I'm actually on my way there in about a week and a half for a month. It's going to be interesting.
2: Yeah. So uh, we'll we'll definitely want to get into that. Just to be clear, because when I met you, you essentially had just small computers. It was just this idea that you didn't always need a big box on your desk. You can have something the size of a, a harmonica that can essentially be a computer. And now you've moved into this more refined segment of signage kiosks. Right. All the things where you need a little brain.
0: Right. Yeah. So it's grown yeah. to that.
2: And I also know that when in the time that I've known you, you prior, you did not have a Chinese factory when you started.
0: Right? No, we did not. We ended up pivoting to our own factory because we wanted to protect our IP. Previous manufacturer would. They wouldn't adhere to the exclusivity contracts that we had. We started seeing them go after our customers, contacting them directly, pushing product into the United States through different means. And, you know, we had helped develop the products that they were making because we were making them better and giving them information and saying, okay, change this, fix this, we want this product to do that. So it became a problem. And we went to look for another manufacturer. at that point I was like, well, we kind of want to, well, we need some buy-in from the factory that we're going to be working with. So I found a partner over there. We have a partner that owns this factory with us. And since then, you know, all of our IPPs are protected. They're very, very diligent about making sure, you know, our stuff stays with us. With your first factory, was that also in China or this is a new move for you? Yeah, no, they're both in China. I'm actually working on diversifying manufacturing. I have a, a factory in the United States that's helping us make some product too. And we're looking at other NATO-friendly countries so that we can bring manufacturing out of China and have best of both worlds just in case they don't get along in a few years.
2: <laughs> so uh, so that's a whole new like phrase nato friendly manufacturing right so there's so many things i want to kind of cover here but a lot of it has to do with the fact that you are an expert in chinese manufacturing so or manufacturing in china so first what was your take on the whole TikTok hearings and you know just what's what was going on there what what was what was what was being told on
0: you know television and what was really going? i mean ideally what they're telling us is true for any company that has access to our data, right? So it's not just TikTok, it's Facebook and Instagram and all the other things, Snapchat. I think the biggest fear for the American people and government is how much data that China's collecting in general, right? So they're collecting even, they're even collecting encrypted messages, just holding them and they're just compiling all the data that they can because at some point, quantum computing will become a reality and then they just dump all this encrypted stuff in there and they'll be able to read and hear everything that was in it. But just for what TikTok has access to, and it's not just TikTok, there's a application called Shine, another one called Tinu, there's a new one called Lemony, I think, that just came out that's been downloaded a lot, that's like coming in if, if TikTok gets banned, people are going to move to that. But TikTok has access to all kinds of things through your phone. It has access to your biometric data, facial recognition, fingerprints, voice, retina. It has access to your mic, to your camera, to your calendar, all the contacts to your phone. It has access to your emails, files, documents, music. Um, I compiled a list here for this because there's just so much stuff it has access to. It can custom install applications without you knowing. Once it gets in there, has access to account info, basically everything that's on your phone at some point or another. And if you look at things programmatically as a programmer, programming is very intricate where you can create anything, right? And, and once a program has access to your phone or any computer and has permissions to do things, then at that point, it can do whatever it wants. That's the biggest issue that they're having with TikTok and the amount of data that it collects because it's not just kids that use it there's lots of adults that use it there's a lot of different ways that tiktok is collecting this data and it's just sending it back to these servers and you know obviously tiktok says that they won't give data to china but china you see what happened to ma right that guy that owned uh, alibaba he disappeared for months <laughs> you can't tell china no <laughs> so i don't think there's any government that probably wouldn't want access to that amount of data but in this particular case, when we look at American government and Chinese government, we don't have any applications over there collecting data like that, right? They're all banned. Google is not allowed over there. YouTube's not allowed over there. Uh, WhatsApp isn't allowed over there. A majority of the applications that we use here are not allowed. Right? So it's not vice versa. Like We're getting that data as well, as far as we know. But that's the big issue. It's, like, it's not just the kids that have access to it. It's that TikTok can get in there and they get access to other phones. That's why they don't want government phones. But workers' childrens have it, right? And then that can get access. From a programmatic standpoint, it's very, very easy to do whatever you want once your application is in there.
2: Well, you certainly have fueled the conspiracy point of view of this story. One of the conversations I was having with my son, he was saying, well, the CEO of, of TikTok said, no, they don't collect this data. They don't have retina data. They don't do this. And I said, well, he doesn't have any reason to tell the truth. But you just said
0: they do have all the data that the CEO said they don't have access. I think they have access to it, honestly speaking. But so does Instagram, right? You can't say that an application that you're making videos on using the camera and the mic doesn't have access to the camera and the mic because it does. And that application can turn that camera and mic on anytime you want without the user knowing, right? Any application can do that if it's given permission to do it. So is it possible that they have the data? Yeah, it is. Are they going to admit to it? Probably not. Is there a possibility that they might not be collecting that data? Yeah, that's a possibility. But who's going to not do that? Ethically, we would hope nobody did, right?
2: You mentioned something that's interesting. You mentioned, I just learned about this a couple of months ago, post-quantum computing, or post-quantum security, rather, that when quantum computing becomes more available, everything we call encrypted right now will no longer be encrypted because quantum computing will right. break it. So right. you said they're collecting
0: encrypted messages for some time in the future when they can access it. As every business, business owner knows, that is power, right? So- if you're in a sales company you want to know how many leads you're getting how much you know how much face time your your website's getting or your mobile app like all this data we collect on a constant basis so that we can make conscious decisions and pivot and create strategies no different when you're you know when you're at war with a country like all the data that they can get works if you can tell people's habits and how they think and what their what their move is it allows you to prepare things for those situations and tiktok just comes under the gun because it's it's been installed so rapidly, and it's so widely used, and it has access to so much data, whether they're collecting it or not, it has access, It's able to do it, right? And that's what I think raises the red flags on that. There's all kinds of other applications that probably have that access to that, you know, China uses here in the United States. We don't know what they're doing with it, but I don't think that the American government would be so adamant about removing it if they didn't have some kind of information that, that caused the uh, panic. So, Alex, thinking about intellectual property and the story that you had earlier
1: with your first manufacturer, I have to think with Chinese companies, software companies, data companies collecting all the information on American people and others up for, what do you think the future of American intellectual property is if there's a culture of really low to no respect of that intellectual property and access to everything?
0: Yeah. So... I think about that a lot in many different respects. I see that the EU is going towards trying to protect the data of people, right? And they're going after one company, which is probably what makes it so controversial. This TikTok obviously isn't the only company that has access to every phone in the United States, right? If they're going to create a policy that's protecting user data, user information, personal biometric information, that policy should apply to any application that's installed or any application that has access to those features. So... I would think a fair thing for just people and everybody involved would to have policy for all those applications on making sure that data is not being collected, not being harvested, not able to have malicious intent. I just think that as government, we too slow on actions like this. Obviously, the tech faster is moving way faster than policy is. So as a business, and
1: TikTok is quickly becoming one of the the most effective marketing platforms for companies, do you feel totally comfortable marketing your business, marketing your products, would you advise a company who wants to
0: advertise on TikTok to do so? I think if your target market is on TikTok, it's a great platform. My target market isn't really on TikTok as much, so we're more on LinkedIn. But if you're selling clothes or music, I mean that's it's it's so widely viewed and it has the attention of so many eyes that from a marketing standpoint, you have to be there. Right. And so we look Mm -hmm. back in the days you know, there used to be catalogs. You advertise in there or the newspapers or, you know, coupon books. That's, that's how marketing was way back then. Wanted to get on as many eyes as possible. And that's just changed the digital media. And social media, because of the dopamine and the fact that it's got so much attention, is the easiest place to get to your target market at this point. So TikTok being one of the widely one, most widely used. If I sold socks or clothes or, you know, things that people use every day, I would definitely be marketing on TikTok for sure.
2: Alex, um, you know, the idea where, let's say, your partner takes your intellectual property and then riffs on it and comes out with a competing product of yours, that's pretty straightforward bad behavior. When they're collecting things like my account numbers or my retina or my encrypted messages, I mean, what in your fanciful
0: imagination are they going to do with that? Well, right now we have your phone, right, where you don't even need to carry your credit card anymore. You can just tap your phone and pay. At some point, we're going to get rid of that, too, and they're just going to look at your thumbprint or your retina scan it or pay for things. Or they're going to see you when you walk in a, in a building and be like, that's Alex, here's what he grabbed, and charge your account. That's your personal identity, right? And if, you, if we want to take it to, like, uh, a fantasy place, I mean, what if they need retina data to get into a building that's under security or that's holding secrets, fingerprints, things like that. In all the spy movies, you see them put their hand on there and retina scan. If they have that data, they have that data. What if they get it when you're a seven year old, and when you're 35, you're a CIA station chief, and they need your retina data to get in someplace? They have it, and they got it a long time ago. It's just been sitting in there waiting for it to become useful. I mean, that's obviously the most far fetched feature, but that information is most likely the way that we're going to go in the future when it comes to being able to identify ourselves. And if anybody's gathering that that information, that's your identity.
1: Why do I all of a sudden want to go buy a cabin in the woods and
0: <laughs> burn all of my electronics? <laughs> I mean, it's a very interesting. We're in a part of in the world's evolution where we're moving from one stage into this data and intellectual computer stage. So it's, it's really cool to watch and be part of. We don't know if it's going to end up like Skynet and Terminator.
2: No, but it could. What, uh, what kind of things are you working on in the zool that are
0: or they're working on anything that's somehow trying to stay one step out of all this. So for the computer standpoint, you know, there's a lot of different AI assisted programs and applications. For instance, facial recognition and the object technology recognition where they're watching cars go on a highway or people coming in a building or, you know, when I go to these trade shows in kind China of for many years, you could walk by, and there'd be a big screen and you'd see yourself and then it would tell you if you were happy, sad, male, female, and what kind of, general mood you're in, you know, and very, and it does it rapidly. So we're making PCs for those types of solutions because the digital marketing age is going to, that's what it's going to rely on. When you walk in a store, they want to know how many people came in, what was the age demographics, what did they focus on when they were looking at things, the same way that you would do when you're looking at a website, right? Or how many people are coming in to see it. all of that information is now on how they do information gathering. So it's a camera, it's a computer, they're gathering all this, you know, there's there's algorithms and... AI technology that would break that down and say, okay, here's a report on everything that happened. And that's just from a consumer standpoint on a day-to-day operations. That has nothing to do with what the government would plan to do with some things like that. So, you know, when we look at how can we manufacture things that would be useful in the world, we look at these many PCs being powerful enough to power these AI applications wherever they're being used. And it's not just people. Maybe it's data, you know, on brain or crops or anything that we need to kind of watch give us back relevant information for us to make decisions and create strategy.
2: Mark, where's that cabin you're building? I'm spun. going think I want to
1: go there <laughs> too. <laughs> I was thinking somewhere in like North Dakota, uh, you know. <laughs> with an EMP right there next to you. <laughs> yeah, with my tinfoil hat or everything else. Like, like needle, yeah. yeah, sure. yeah. I mean, everything
2: that's making our lives better is the thing that's going to hurt us.
0: It depends. I mean, ultimately as as a human race, it depends on how we guide it, right? This could be Something that could, there, there was a movie, I can't remember the name of it, but it's got Owen Wilson and Selma Hayek, where they're living in two realities. And uh, in the one reality, they're in the real world, think they're like heroin addicts or something, and they're just figuring out whatever they're figuring out. But on the opposite side, when they you know when they go back, they're in this world where AI is, con- is taking care of everything. They're growing the crops, they're feeding the people, everything's being done. And, and the human race, all they have to do is just follow their passions all day, whether that's art or music or exploration. That's what they do with themselves all day. So there's a possibility that it could go that way. evolve enough to to get it there. And there's a possibility that it could go the other way. I'm interested to see um, where that's gonna go. Given our history, doesn't look like it's gonna be on our side. <laughs> right? We're gonna more fall into the matrix side of thing.
1: I'm I'm gonna go on Zillow and start looking for my cabin, just so you know.
0: <laughs> so if I zone out during this podcast, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> but you know, they're gonna know where that cabin is too, because you're doing it online. <laughs>
1: Dang it, you're <laughs> using yeah. Zillow, morning. I don't know, okay, I'm going to ride my bike <laughs> <laughs> and just knock on doors, I guess. I don't know. That's it. Yeah. Pay cash. Yeah, Pay <laughs> cash, ride my bicycle or, you know, go buy a classic car with no chips in it. I think, I mean, the, the possibilities are obviously exciting and tremendous and the applications of that what people can use. With all the emerging technologies, and there is certainly a downside of it. When we think about China being the owner, as Lewis said in, in the beginning of the podcast, that we really consider them a really an enemy of the United States in stage and some but capacity, and maybe more capacities than we know. What is it like doing business? You think they they will successfully? negotiate with the u.s to gain access to their market or are they going to just start investing in mexico and go to those uh, those nafta friendly places and it'll just be
0: the same thing but by mexico as a proxy so they're already well beyond that they've already started investing in many countries in south america they have actually space station bases in i think venezuela argentina and chile so there's a certain part of South America that there's a ton of lithium reserves that they've been buying up and importing into their country for the lithium batteries, because obviously that's part of the future. They're all over Africa. I mean, they've been expanding in that way for a lot longer than we've been paying attention. China's been very active and, you know, Maturin is a country. It's very impressive, actually, what they've done over the last decade and a half. And they also did it militarily, right? One of the things that helped us win World War II is we outproduced Germany right? For every hundred bombs they dropped, we probably dropped a thousand. And America turned to this huge manufacturing country and you started pumping out all these different weapons that we needed to win. Well, China did that. They own manufacturing for the planet now. They can pump out thousands and thousands of drones if they need to way faster than any other country on the planet. So they definitely positioned themselves in a place of power. I can't blame any country that that does that because we did it for a number of years, right? We had the largest Navy, largest Air Force. We had, you know, bases all over the world we've, we've done those things as well what just saddens me is i think that if we work together as a race as opposed to as a country we would be so much further along in the evolution of who we are right there's a show on apple tv about i can't remember the name of that one either but it's about the space race between russia and uh america and in that show america beat us there and then it became this race on who can get a base there faster and who fall in water and then you know, by 2020, like 2020, they already had five bases on the moon and were already going to to Mars because they were all working together trying to get it done. Or the competition was so strict that they hyper-focused on that and they made it a priority, right? So as a race, I just don't think we work together on this planet to advance ourselves as a whole. It's always this little competition in these silos that we work in and nobody wants to share because we don't know what the other country is going to do with it.
2: Well, Alex, I am grateful that you joined us. I mean, um, you know, doing business in China is uh, obviously everyone talks about it, but you really do
0: it all the time. I enjoyed. it. Uh, you learned a lot. I, since I've known you, you've learned Yeah, I enjoyed. it. I think they're a great country to work with if, if our if our goals align and we work together. They definitely have a lot of resources and assets the same way we do. And partnerships work together when partners work. Great message. Awesome.
1: Okay. Mark, any closing thoughts before we release Alex to the golf course? Thank you for <laughs> giving me all the reasons that I needed to go buy a cap. <laughs> Well, I'll come visit you. We're upping his cabin budget considering it just went up by a lot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Alex, thanks so much. So enjoy the go. All right. Thanks guys. Thanks for joining nice us. talking to you. Well, Mark, what do you think about all that? Wow. Yeah. Again, cabin. It's really interesting because <laughs> what Alex was talking about partnerships work really well when partners are working together towards a, a common goal. and And I believe that. And on the other hand, coming to mind during the conversation about using technology to really make our lives easier and somewhat better and partnering instead of being competitive. The story of the biodome comes to mind. Do you remember the story of the biodome where the scientists put this this big plexiglass dome and they had an entire ecosystem inside of it and inside of the dome were just laying down. They weren't bearing any fruit. And they couldn't figure this out and they, they spent years and years trying to figure out why everything was working except for the trees and they weren't bearing fruit. And it turns out they forgot wind, they forgot friction, they forgot resistance. And the wind is what causes <laughs> the, the trees to stand up tall and strong and bear fruit. And I'm wondering if we can make our lives so easy, so friction-free – the same thing will happen to us, yeah. just blobs <laughs> that are useless, that don't live very long.
2: <laughs> yeah. That was a long time ago, there was something called the the leisure economy, right? Mm-hmm. That, you know, machinery would free us up so much that we would spend all our time on leisure, and that the 40-hour work week would become a 20-hour work week or a 10-hour work week. I don't know. I agree with you. Everything that make our lives easier is also such a potential weapon, and, you know, Alex said it right, you know, if people cooperate, it's incredibly powerful, but... There's not really a vested interest for people to cooperate, really. Mm-hmm. And and
1: uh racehorses, you think they with cooperation versus competition and versus like cooperation, right? Horse racehorses will run much, much slower if they're not against a horse that is of equal skill and speed. They will collectively go much faster when they're in a state of competition than when they're not. So I think there's an interesting balance there. There's something.
2: Well, you know, the initiation, the initial conversation here was about like what really was going on in those TikTok hearings and what was, what was truth and what was sort of uh, BS. Yeah. And it sounds like at least as far as that original concept is going, China is probably doing all the bad things we think they're doing. And I hadn't thought about that way, but we're not doing anything like the equivalent. We have no apps that are spreading throughout Asia where we're collecting data as far as I know.
1: Yeah. Who's to say? I'm sure. Someone knows the answer to that, but we have a free market. And so there's downsides to a free market. I'd, I'd much rather have a free market than yeah, uh, that's true. work camps. <laughs>
2: no, you're hundred percent right about that. Well, this story will play out over the decades to come. It's, uh, it's a little bit of our fight as entrepreneurs, Mark, and it'll become our children's fight at some point. Yeah, no doubt. But it's an exciting fight.
1: Yeah, it is. Keep the competition going so we all get better at the end. Yeah. All right, Mark. Well, uh, thanks for joining us, joining me. Yeah, thanks, Louis. We'll see you. Thanks for listening to another episode of What I See, where we explore the stories of the visionaries shaping our world. We hope you found insights and inspiration from our guests. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and continue to be a part of the conversation. See you next time on What I See.